Merry Christmas. How y'all doing? My name's Mark. Welcome. Thanks for spending a part of your uh, holiday weekend with us. We feel honored to be a part of uh, your weekend. And a big welcome goes over to our other uh, venues or other campuses. We're glad to all be together celebrating Jesus this weekend. So glad to be a part of this weekend celebration of Christmas. Hey, I don't know if you got some exciting things planned. There's a lot of excitement in the air. You can feel it in the room. I don't know if in the other rooms that are watching in, if there's as many red and green sweaters as there is, this is my big nod to Christmas. Give it up. All right. Yeah, there you go. Hey, I hope you have some exciting things planned. Some of you have some big things coming in the next 24, 48 hours. Like, I hope there's a couple of you that got a ring in your pocket. Maybe you're going to make pop in a question, asking somebody something about their eternal future with you. I don't know, perhaps. Some of you got puppies arriving. I know some secrets that are going on all around the place. Those things are happening. Things that make you smile, exciting. I hope you have some excitement happening in your life tonight, tomorrow, and this week. And uh, I remember a Christmas in particular. Our girls are grown now. They're 29 and 30, I think, this week. Yeah, 30. One of them turns 30. 30 and 31, I think. That's actually it. So our girls are grown, but I can remember some amazing Christmases. You know that excitement you have when you can't wait to blow their socks off, right? I remember this one Christmas we had and. Um, the girls got up, and we gave them a bunch of Disney stuff and, you know, Disney t-shirts and, you know, the Mickey ears and all that. And then we gave an autograph book, and then the autograph book were tickets to the Magic Kingdom. It was incredible. They were over the top. Little girls screeching and screaming, running around the house. And as fun and as exciting as that was on that day, the trip wasn't for months. But I, I got to tell you, that was the gift that just kept giving. For months, the excitement and the anticipation of that trip, it, we were feeding off of it. And folks, that's sort of where we find ourselves now in this space in which we live. We're between two Christmases. The first Christmas that we read about just a few moments ago from Luke, when Jesus came, when the incarnation took place, and, and Jesus came to rescue us and save us from our sins. And we've been around two rivers for this last month or so. We've been actually looking at and taking a, a good gander at the next Christmas, the next Advent when Jesus returns, where we're going to actually see and experience his return, where, where he's going to establish a new heaven and a new earth for all of eternity, where we'll live for, with him forever. And so we're in this middle space. We're in the middle. And as we celebrate Christmas together, here's our reminder. We live in the middle of celebrating the first Christmas and the next Christmas. We're right in the middle, smack dab, between celebrating the first Christmas, which I hope you'll do, and somewhere between this space and the next, that's where we're at. That's where we find ourselves. We're living here in the middle. And, and the Bible is loaded with information and encouragement of how we're supposed to live here in the middle. How am I supposed to live here in the middle? In fact, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to a guy named Titus. I like the name Titus. If I had a son, I think I'd name him Titus. It's a cool name. So he wrote a letter to this guy, Titus, and he said to him, he was living on the island of Crete, he said, I want you to teach sound doctrine to the churches there. I want to make sure that they're, they're living in sound doctrine. And, and what he's telling them is I want to tell you how to live in the middle between the first coming of Christ and his anticipated return. And here in the middle of Titus, we're going to jump in and look at what he has to say about the middle. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. Paul says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of, our, of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works." Folks, there's the Christmas story right there in Titus, and it's all throughout the scriptures. God making a way for man to live at peace with God. 
Remember the angels who appeared? We just read it in Luke. The angels appeared to these shepherds and they said, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth and goodwill toward men. The peace they were talking about, the peace that was coming to this place and this world in which we live in was the person of Christ. That's Jesus. Deity took on flesh. Yes, in the form of a little baby in a manger. A little baby with flesh and blood. Blood that would one day pulsate through the veins of a grown man who would die for the sins of all mankind. Folks, that's what we are remembering. That's what we're celebrating this weekend. Let's look again at verse 11. It says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. He says, the grace of God's appeared. That, that's the, the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection all in one sentence. That's packed full. That's what he's talking about. That's the Christmas story. That's the first Christmas. He says, for the grace of God appeared. This is the good news. And the good news, the grace of God that appeared is the person of Jesus. The first Christmas brought, brought grace and salvation. It brings grace and salvation. That's the mission of Jesus. It was his mission from the onset of creation to come and save the world. It, it was always the plan. It wasn't plan B. The world didn't get messed up and God goes, let me go to plan B, plan C. They're, they're, they're tanking down there. Let me, get, let me get on board with this. No, this was, this was a part of the mission from the onset of creation to save us and to rescue us. In Matthew's gospel, we see Joseph, Joseph, Mary's betrothed. He was gonna step away from her quietly when he found out she was expecting. They were a godly couple. She said, I'm having a baby. And it's the Holy Spirit's. He said, I'm out. I'm gonna step away from this. I don't wanna shame you. I don't wanna embarrass you. I'm gonna do something respectfully, but, but I, gotta, I gotta step out of this relationship. And he goes to bed one night and he has a dream and an angel appears to Joseph in a dream and says to him in Matthew chapter one, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. It's as she told you. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. Catch this next line. For he will save his people from their sins. That's what Jesus was coming to do. That's what Jesus came to do. This is the reality of the first Christmas. Jesus came Emmanuel, God with us. Why? To seek and to save the lost. To save us. I love that word, saved. Folks, if you know Jesus, you've been saved. There's a song that people sing all around the United States. And it's interesting to me, it always fascinates me, that during a time of crisis or some kind of thing that happens on the news, you all of a sudden see people gathering and singing a song. They're, they're comforted by the melody of this song. They're comforted by the familiarity. They're comforted by the words of this song. People who don't even know Jesus, people who've never had a relationship with him, and yet the song is a direct, direct implication, a direct statement of the gospel. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Most people know that song. Folks, they're singing our song. That's my song. That's your song. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Saved a wretch like me. I, I needed a savior. Did you need a savior? Absolutely. I know some of you personally. <laughs> a wretch like me. I was lost. Jesus pursued me and found me. That's the gospel. That's the message. That's the song folks are singing. That's our song. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. It's always been about what he was about. If, if you follow the things that he said, the words that he said, the, the stories he told, it's laced through and through. That's why he came. He wasn't sneaking it in. He was pretty direct about it. He said to his followers, 
In Luke chapter 15, he told them this parable. Suppose one of you has 100 sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over a sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. The first Christmas brought grace and salvation for all who would receive it. Folks, that's what we've, that's what we've received. That's the story. Salvation, he says, in our text, is for all people. And some of you are sitting here today because you were brought with a friend or a family member and they promised you dinner afterwards. I hope you get it. But you're here and you're stuck here for a little bit, so you, you got to listen. Some of you are sitting here thinking like, yeah, for all people, not me. Not me. I'm not good enough. I haven't done enough good things. I'm not good. I'm not good even like the people who brought me. They're, they're good people. He came for them, not me. You can't be good enough. You're right. You're not good enough. There's not a thing you can do that's good enough. Nobody's good enough. Jesus said, I'm good enough. I died a, a death. You couldn't, you couldn't die. I paid a price for your sins. You couldn't pay. I'm good enough. Your good is found in my righteousness. Some of you are thinking, like I was for years, well, I've just messed up too much. No, there's no way that this grace could extend as far as, as me. I've screwed up my life. I've screwed up the lives of people around me. Like, you don't know the mess my life is. You don't know the, the mess that I've made of the world I live in. I am so far out of God's reach, you wouldn't believe it. I would believe it. I would believe it. And here's what, here's what the word says. His grace, his love goes far deeper than any sin you, you, you've mustered up. The, con, the conglomeration, the compilation of all the sin in, 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 in your life and in the damage you've caused other people, his grace, his love, his salvation goes even further, folks. Amazing grace. That's why people write songs like this. How can it be? How can this be? How can God's grace be this good? It is. I'm here to tell you, folks, it is. The lie you're believing is that it's not. God's grace reaches as far as you. And I hope and pray that this Christmas, this day, this night, that you wouldn't let one more hour, one more day pass without giving your heart and life to Jesus, without joining the rest of us. We're not perfect. We are messed up. But we got our eyes fixed on Jesus. I hope you'll join us. I hope, I hope you will spend another Christmas apart from a relationship with Christ. And the rest of us who've made that decision to follow Jesus, folks, we're awaiting his return. There's a full picture. The, the next Christmas brings the return of Christ. We're here in the middle. We're, we're right here in the middle waiting for his following and his return. Remember back in the scriptures when he died, then he came back to life. He, he was resurrected and he spent time with his disciples. And he said to them, it's better that I go. And that was upsetting for them. It had to be. They watched their, their leader, their savior, their friend die a horrific death. And then they finally see him. He comes back to life. He's there in the flesh. They've been restored. The relationship's been re-engaged. Re and he says to them, it's better that I go. What? You just came back. You're going. He goes, well, if I go, if I go, I'll send the Holy Spirit to be with you. Physically here, I can only be with you in this physical place, but I'm gonna send my Holy Spirit who'll be with you in all places, in all spaces, and for all time until I come back. And he did exactly that. He ascended, sent his spirit. Folks, if you know Jesus and you know this to be true, that, that inner reality that you know and experience, that's the spirit of God. That's the spirit of, John, of Jesus re residing within us, dwelling within us. He told his disciples, I'm going to prepare a place for you in the book of John. He goes, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me where I am. He said, I'm coming back. 
In Revelation, we went through the entire book over this last fall and the beginning of winter in Revelation. Over and over again, the promise is that he's coming back. He's going to return. Behold, he said, I'm coming soon. I'm coming soon. And his coming will be physical, just as his first coming was physical. His first coming was was a big deal. In fact, we've made it a bigger deal than it was on the night it happened. It was an oh holy night. An amazing night where deity took on flesh and dwelt among us. Amazing. And yet the fanfare was only experienced by a handful of people. Massive, cloud, massive, massive sky of angels appeared to shepherds. Oh, what's going on? And the shepherds told them there, there's good news. Jesus has come to save the world, to save the world from their sins. There was fanfare for the shepherds. There was fanfare for, for Mary and Joseph. There was fanfare for an old man and an old woman at the temple a few days later. There was fanfare for the Magi who showed up months, if not years later. There was fanfare there, but the world wasn't experiencing the physical reality of Jesus stepping into the universe. That's the first incarnation That's the first advent. That's the first appearing of Jesus, his first coming to be among us and with us. But he said, just as I physically came the first time, I'm coming back. I'm coming soon, he says. I'm gonna return. And my return won't be private. You won't hear somebody talking about it or get a text, hey, did you hear this? Jesus is back. It's not gonna happen that way. Not gonna happen. You're not gonna turn on the news that night and go, oh my goodness, CNN and Fox News agree. What's up with that? It's crazy. Jesus is coming back. No, it's going to be a cataclysmic event that the whole world will experience in such a grand, amazing way and a a spectacular way that the the scriptures say that at, at the return of Christ, every knee will bow, every tongue will profess. Everyone, those who know Jesus and those who don't, will profess that Jesus Christ is king. Folks, he's coming back. That's the full story. That's the promise that we we wait on and anticipate. And the next Christmas is coming. And when it does come, he's going to make all things right. And you wonder, I wonder sometimes, why didn't he just come back? Let's do this thing. Come on. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And here's why I believe personally he hasn't come back yet. It's his desire that all would come to saving faith in Christ. And that window is still open. That space for, for those who could still turn and choose Jesus. And some of you are in our midst today. Could choose Jesus. The opportunity is still yours. But when he comes back, that opportunity is over. That opportunity is gone. We live today between the first and the next Christmas. We live as Paul told Titus in this little letter. He says, in the present age, that we're waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself up for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Folks, that blessed hope in this present age we're waiting for is Jesus And if you read this letter in its entirety, which isn't very long, you can read it tomorrow morning if you get up early enough and wait for the kids to get up like they won't beat you to the stairs, right? You can read it tomorrow morning. It's a clear picture of of how we're we're to live in this present age. How are we supposed to live in the middle? The epistles are filled with, with encouragement. How do we live here in the middle? Here in Titus, he says specifically, hey, Titus, teach them sound doctrine. Teach them to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled and upright, to live godly lives, to live like the gospel that we've expected and we've accepted and experienced has had its effect on our lives, to live like we're new people, to live like we're now the righteousness of God himself because Jesus did this for us. Folks, I hope you'll come back 
Tune in. Hope you'll, you'll, you'll spend some time with us in the beginning part of January on to Easter. We're jumping into the book of Ephesians, and I love this book. One thing I'm excited about this book is it talks about foundationally, who am I in Christ? Who are we in Christ? We're the righteousness of Christ himself. That's who our identity is. That's where our identity is found. I hope you'll join us. And that's what Titus is getting after here, that we would live lives, godly lives that reflect the gospel in which we've received and accepted. For the good news of Jesus is not that, it, that he, he saves us, but he also transforms us. He's at work in my life and in your life, transforming us, rescuing, saving us, yes, but now transforming us. The Spirit of God is at work, moving within us, causing me, causing you to be men and women that we would never be on our own. That's the Spirit of God calling us to our place of, of, of identity with Christ himself. And he, he, he begs, pleads engage, to engage him in the process of being transformed, that we would be more and more like Jesus. That's the work that he's called us to do right here in the middle. And I, I wonder sometimes, again, why does he just come back now? There's folks that he's still pursuing. I love the phrase, the hound of heaven. Jesus chased down a lamb. Jesus chased me down. Jesus cornered me with the truth of who he is, but he won't make me accept and commit myself to him. And yet here's the work that Paul's talking about here when he writes to Titus. He goes, I want you to be zealous about the good works that are, that are yours to do between now and the time I return. What are the good works that he's called us to do? There's a lot, but the very core of the good works, I know that I know that I know he's called us to do, just as it took a myriad of people to engage in your life, circumstances in your world that finally got you to go, I need Jesus. He's given you work to do in the lives of the people that are in your world right now, your, your webs of influence, that, that they might see and know from your words and your deeds that they might see and know the, the Jesus that's pursuing them. That's the work that God's called us to do, that folks around us would know and see Jesus. We live today between the first and the next Christmas. Mark, come on, can we just enjoy this Christmas? Absolutely. We should enjoy this Christmas, but there's another one coming. And we really can't separate the first Christmas from his promised return. It's the complete story. It's the full story. And I think so often we let it end at Christmas. And what we've been trying to drill into your hearts and your minds this month is that the full story, the full gospel is, is that he came and then he's coming back. The first verse I remember ever hearing ever and a verse that probably, again, a lot of people that don't even know God could quote or know at least the reference, John 3, 16. And I know we don't use that a lot because it's so common. Well, it's so common for a reason. For God so loved the world that God himself so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Folks, that's the first Christmas. That's the incarnation. For God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. He's coming back, and when he comes back, he's gonna establish a new heaven and a new earth, and we'll live with him for all of eternity, everlasting life, and with each other. That's what he's called us to do. That's where we live right now, in between the first and the next Christmas. It's the whole story. So how do we live like Paul with anticipation and waiting for our blessed hope and for the appearance of our blessed hope? I think, we have to, I think we have to mentally practice this. I think we have to fix our heart and our minds on things above. I don't think it comes natural. I think we think, uh, well, there, there's, there's Christmas and yeah, there's the return, but, but they go together. They, they can't be separated. 
I want us to practice something. I think this will be helpful for us as we try to connect the two, the first Christmas and the next Christmas. Right now, what's the, what's the thing that, that, that inside, if somebody knew what was going on in the next 24, 48 hours that you know, and maybe it's a secret only you know or you and a couple people know, what's the thing that most excites you right now? In your mind, get it in your mind. Think about it. What's the thing that, that inside makes you smile? There's a couple things I know that are happening this week in some of your lives. I'm excited about it. There's a ring in somebody's pocket. There's a puppy in somebody's future. There's a whole bunch of things. That's not prophetic. I actually just know. There's some exciting things that are getting ready to happen in a lot of our lives. What, what is it, what's the thing right now that makes you the happiest? Internally go, this is gonna be cool. Okay, so half of you aren't smiling. So the other half, let me speak to you for a second. And maybe that question just hurts. Mark, you don't know what's going on in my life right now. You tell me to think about something joyful? I got no joy right now. In fact, the thing that I'm facing and struggling with just hurts. It's just a struggle. It's a battle. You don't know what it took for me to be here. And now you want me to be joyful? No, I want you to think about the hardest thing that's going on in your life right now. What's the thing that's got you? What's, what's the weight? What's the thing that wakes you up at three o'clock in the morning? You go, God, I don't know what I'm gonna do about this. Hold on to those thoughts. Happy, sad, just for a moment. You know, this time of year, um, there's people who believe in a mystical character. You know who I'm talking about? Just nod your head if you say, people believe in a mystical character. And, and oftentimes, people put cookies out for mystical characters. You may be doing that at your home tonight. Somebody was kind enough to put cookies out for an old pastor. <laughs> I love cookies. I absolutely love cookies. My favorite cookie in the world is a chocolate chip cookie filled with nuts. And I'm gonna lose three quarters of you in the next part of this phrase. But crispy, don't give me a soggy, soft cookie. I want a crunchy cookie. I want to bite into it. I want a crisp. I want to make it soggy. When I put it in the milk, then it becomes soggy. Don't give me a soft cookie. It just falls in the milk and I lose it. But if you got to go store-bought, man, you can't beat a double-stuffed Oreo. I have, I have pounded through sleeves of double-stuffed Oreos. Anybody getting hungry? They're awesome. And here's what I want to do. I, I want you to never look at an Oreo again without having a spiritual thought. The wafers represent his first coming and his promised return. Where are we? We're right there in the creamy middle. Right there in the creamy middle. That's where we are. We're, we're right there in the middle. But, but just like, I know some of you take a cookie apart. That's just disgusting. The whole cookie, and I'd bite it right now if there wasn't gonna be chocolate on my teeth in a minute, but I'd bite this whole cookie. It, it, it's gotta be enjoyed in its entirety. The, the full bite. That, that's the message here. It's, it's the full gospel that he came. Jesus came because God loved the world so much and he's coming back to make all things right. That thing in your life right now that's paining you, that hurts, you just don't, I don't know if I can get past this. Here's the deal. God came, you might have life and have it to the full. He wants to meet you below that pain. Deeper than your pain goes, God's there, present. He's with you, Emmanuel, God with you. I promise you that, not only in this life, but in the life to come, there's more. There's more, folks. Don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. Jesus said, I'm with you. And for those of us on the other side of happy joy, good. Don't feel bad about that. No guilt with being happy. If you're getting a brand new car tomorrow, come on, pick me up. Take me for a spin. I want to see that thing. Enjoy it. These gifts that God's given us are incredible, but allow them to point to the giver. Allow them to point to the, the ecstasy, the joy that far reaches anything you'll experience on this side of heaven. Yes, we should enjoy life. The Bible says, hey, you who are 
or evil and how to give, 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 give good gifts to your kids, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Spirit to those who love them? God, God has even more in store for us, not only in the life to come, but in this life now. But yes, in the life to come. Allow it to point to, to all that still awaits for you and I as we look forward to his glorious appearing. Tomorrow, in my life, Lord willing, I'm gonna hold a little girl named Isabel, two weeks old. That's a story in itself. Our first granddaughter. Cute little thing. Of course, I think she is. You might not, but she's adorable. That's a joy and a story that um, if I talk about it too long, I'll lose it. And two days later, I'm getting off a plane in Philadelphia and driving to South Jersey. In these same arms, I'm going to wrap them around an old man, 99 years old, and call him dad and say, hey, happy birthday. 99 years old. Loves Jesus. And you clap like, I think he'd be better off if he went to be with, with Jesus. I know enough about the future. I love my dad. Don't get me wrong. I don't want him gone. But man, where he's going to be, it far exceeds anything that, that, that it's on this side of glory, on this side of heaven. Allow the joys. There's a, a lot of great stuff we're going to experience. And I hope you experience it all. I hope you have a great steak, a good meal. I hope you have some amazing mac and cheese. I hope there's something under the, the tree for you. And I hope, I hope you find yourself just down deep inside going, this is awesome. And when you're saying this is awesome, allow that to point to the greater reality that, that Jesus has even more in store for us who know him, who know him. Emmanuel, God with us, just as the angels declared, he came to make peace on earth and make peace with you and I. That's reason to celebrate, amen? Let's stand, let me pray for us. God, we thank you so much for the truth of, of this holiday season. We thank you for Christmas. God, we thank you for the reality that, that you came. You stepped into humanity, took on flesh and blood, lived a life called us to a life with you in relationship with you, died on a cross to rescue and save us from our sins, and you're coming back one day to exact your perfection on this earth and in heaven. God, it's with anticipation that we look forward to that day, and in the name of Jesus we pray, amen?